Hello and welcome back to another episode of the DFS Today podcast and The Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Tuesday, January 17th, and we are approaching the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. We are coming off an absolutely dominant NFL Super Wild Card weekend. Four and one in our bets, cashed in DFS. All of our advice did really well. We are not going to live in the past. We are just going to move forward. I am joined live by a regular guest on The Advantage, but a first-time guest on the DFS Today podcast. It's my friend Gibby. Welcome back to the pod, Gib. How you doing? I'm good. I'm, I'm happy, to, happy to be back and be talking uh, DFS and, and anything fantasy football. See, to bring you guys a little bit behind the curtain, me and Gibby have been in the same season-long fantasy league for 10, 10, 10 years, 11 years. How long has it been? Longer than that, we I think it started in like ninth grade, so 15 years now. Okay, so about 15 years me and Gibb have been in the same season long, highly competitive, let me take down all my best friends, uh, season long fantasy football league, and for that reason, I have not been able to bring Gibby on the fantasy football side of the podcast, because we weren't sharing secrets. So I relied on other guests, I called in some other friends that weren't in my league. Now that the season long, you know, contests have ended, we're only daily. We're in the playoffs. Nothing's going to really impact our next season outlook. I can bring Gibb back on the show, bring him in, loop him in for some DFS football. This guy definitely knows his stuff. There's a reason why I was not bringing him on earlier in the season because, again, we weren't sharing secrets. So we're going to review this wild cards, uh, this divisional round slate. We're going to do all of the betting trends. We're going to go through each game, game by game, just as I've done for 17, 18 weeks so far and tell you where these lines are moving, where's money coming in, where are my best bets. We are going to review some of Gibby's best bets. We are going to go over the entire DFS slate from a spend-up perspective. So we'll be going through every position on the board, discussing the higher-priced options and saying, these are the guys I would build my lineup around. We'll talk some cash game options. We'll talk some GPPs and tournament plays, um, and we'll go through it all. You ready, Gib? I'm ready. All right, let's do it. To start out, let's go through the betting trends. The first game on the slate is the Jacksonville Jaguars going to Kansas City and playing against the Chiefs. This line opened at Chiefs minus 8.5, and, and the over-under was at 50.5. The line has ticked up two points to 52.5, which is significant movement in the total. We know 51 and 52 are very important NFL totals numbers. So this going from 50 and a half to 52 and a half has crossed through two major key numbers. The spread has stayed at eight and a half the whole time. The odds are a little bit more juiced to Kansas City now, so you have to pay a little bit more odds, showing that some initial money is coming in on KC, but not enough to actually move the line. Of course, being at eight and a half provides for a great teaser spot if you want to do a six-point teaser and take this down to two and a half. That was not Gibby farting. That's people doing construction on his deck. Okay, let's move on. Philadelphia opened at seven and a half. It ticked down quickly to seven with some Giants money coming in on the market and then quickly returned back to seven and a half. So we had an initial wave of Giants action and now more money coming back in on the Philadelphia Eagles. The total in this situation also 
two points of movement towards the over and very significant movement at that. It started at 46 and a half. We know 47 and 48 are both key NFL totals numbers. It sits at 48 and a half now. One of my best bets that I gave out on Twitter was the over 46 and a half. I am also on the Eagles minus 7.5. So if you're listening to this podcast and you have a blank slate and you have no bets yet, maybe because you've made the mistake of not following me on Twitter at mfiddle14 so you can get my bets early in the week, you would say maybe I jump in on the Philadelphia Eagles minus 7.5 but hold off on the over-under because you've missed the good line. We'll get Gibby's advice on that in a bit. Buffalo Bills versus Cincinnati Bengals, the rematch of that crazy Week 17 game, the DeMar Hamlin injury, the postponement. This game is now in Buffalo. This game is opened at a three and a half, moved to four, moved to four and a half. Big money coming in on the Buffalo Bills. It's now at four and a half and more juiced towards the Bills at that number. Over, under, down to 48 and a half. So this line opened at 48 and a half quickly ticked up to 50 and a half. Again, two points of movement, but not as significant as the other ones because going through the 49 and through the 50, less significant than going through a 47 and 48, less significant than going through a 51 and a 52. So although the Bengals-Bills line ticked up two points originally, it's actually ticked back down to 48 and a half. So we're seeing a late wave of under money come in on the Buffalo Bills-Cincinnati Bengals game. I took the over 50 thinking I would beat the line. I've clearly lost some CLV on that line, and I wouldn't recommend following me on that bet. I do love the Buffalo Bills minus four is one of my best bets. We will hear Gibby's opinion and see if you still take the four and a half. And then finally, Dallas Cowboys visiting the San Francisco 49ers. This line opened as Cowboys plus four and a half, quickly sharp down to Cowboys plus four. So we are seeing... Cowboys money enter the market. I am contrarian here. I'm going to take the 49ers minus four as also one of my best bets. I'll discuss that with Gibby in a few minutes. The total moved from 45 and a half to 46 and a half. Quick one point up in the totals. 46, not the most important number. So if you wanted to still get in on the over before it gets to that 47, I certainly don't mind it. That is the way the trends are going. Gib. You've heard me just talk a lot about where these numbers are, where they've been, where money's coming in, what my bets are. Again, my bets are 49ers minus 4, Bills minus 4.5, Bills Bengals over 50, Eagles minus 7.5, Eagles Giants over 46.5, and and I have a teaser leg teasing that Eagles line down and that Chiefs line down. What are your best bets going into this divisional weekend? Uh, my favorite bet this weekend uh, has to go with the the New York Giants plus seven and a half right now. Um, uh, I, I was watching this weekend, watching Danny Dimes, watching Saquon, uh, watching their defense, and Isaiah Hodgins coming in as a an elite receiver, uh, unexpected. Um, but I thought they looked really, really good. Uh, so I think the seven and a half. Uh, is is too many? It's too many points to be giving to be giving the Giants over the Eagles. Eagles, you know they had they didn't play last week. Uh, remind me, did did um, Jalen play week eighteen? Yes. He played week eighteen, so he's he had that, but you know he might be a little dinged up. Uh, I didn't think they looked their best towards the end of the season. 
So as I see the Giants kind of trending upwards, I see the Eagles kind of either flat or trending downwards a little bit. So that was kind of the bet that I was eyeing the most. Mm-hmm. Um, I do also love uh, the Chiefs minus eight and a half. Okay. Uh, I know, I know the Jaguars came back. They had a you know a great second half against the Chargers. I don't see them being able. I I, I think that first half was more uh, exemplary of what they are as a team rather than that second half. And I think Mahomes and and squad and I'm obviously a big Mahomes stan uh, come in uh, and wreck the Jaguars. Uh, I do think it'll be a shootout, but I think Chiefs. I would be aiming closer to minus nine and a half uh, points there. So you think if you take that eight and a half now, you'll gain some closing line value. You'll get some plus CLV. By the time this game kicks off, what is that game? A Saturday, 430. This line might be closer to nine and a half. They might push it out of that teaser window, right? So many people are taking this eight and a half and teasing it down. So they're going to push it up to nine, up to nine and a half, simply so people can't tease it through the key number. I definitely like that. Let's talk about that Giants-Eagles that we're on both sides of this coin right now. I'll tell you. The number one fan of the advantage, Howard Fiddle, is going to love to hear that you're taking the G-Men. He's going to the game. I spoke to him after the Giants won last weekend, and he's like, I just bought tickets. We're going to Philly. He and Beth go into the game. For those listening and not knowing my family personally, that's my uh, dad and stepmom who live in New York who are now traveling to Philadelphia to see this game Saturday night, 8-15 kickoff. And I didn't say this to them, Gib, but I was a little worried. My immediate thought was, oh, no, Philadelphia is taking care of business twice already against the Giants. This line is moving sharply towards the over. There's a correlated value in taking games towards the over and covering a point spread. Of course, if there's more points scored in the game, it's easier to cover a large spread. And then that movement from initially down to seven back to 7.5 was pretty indicative to me because as the week goes on, these books start to allow bigger limits. So you might put in a $20,000 bet you know, for these big sharp groups that we're tracking where the money's coming in early in the week. And then you might get a $100,000 limit later in the week. So seeing the second movement is always the most important movement. So seeing that line go back to seven and a half, go up towards the over, as someone who's a Giants fan, but loyal to the soil of line movement and gambling trends, I'm definitely worried about this seven and a half spot, but I hear you divisional spot for the giants. They've played them. It's their third time, second time in a few weeks, uh, have played them pretty well and they're starting to get rolling. Do you like Danny dimes more than you'd like Jalen hurts? If you were going to, if you're on the giants, right. And now you're playing in a DFS setting. Do you like the value of Danny dimes more than the upside and high spend of hurts? So if I'm looking at Hertz is going for 7600, Dimes is 5800. For that value, I'm still I'm going Danny Dimes. Yep. Seeing how he rushes the ball, um, how they play. You know, I was kind of surprised last week. I didn't think they rushed the ball with Saquon as many times as I thought they would. It was more Danny Dimes taking it to the outside. I think he gets almost not as many rushes, but he gets a ton of rushes, which is huge in value. So for that fifty-eight hundred, I like Danny Dimes over Jalen Hurts in, in DFS. Definitely something that's going to be very consistent through the DFS community this weekend is if you're going to be playing a quarterback in that game, 
You definitely love playing quarterbacks in a game where it's sharp towards the over. So going through the 47, going through the 48, you say, oh, I absolutely love to play a quarterback in this spot. That question of is it going to be Hurts or is it going to be Dimes is going to make or break some slates. I think I'm on the other side. I think I would go Jalen Hurts myself. Um, Let's talk about um, any of the other games. I want to explain to you why I'm on the 49ers, Gib. This line, again, like I said, opened at four and a half is now down to four, and I see this as a clear spot to back the 49ers. Here's my reasoning. In this new NFL playoff format, with this, uh, they've added in an extra team in the last two years, right? They've added an extra game, they've added an extra team. We're now seven teams in the playoffs, only one bye. Two years ago, we were two byes, six teams in the playoffs. What that means is that in the first round of every NFL playoff Super Wild Card weekend, there's one more game. And for that, this season, it meant that the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Bucks played on Monday night, which you do not get in the NFL playoffs. You do not get Monday night games. Vice versa, or on the flip side of that, the 49ers played on Saturday home against the Seahawks. So now the, Tampa, uh, the, the Dallas Cowboys travel to the southeast of Florida, going to Tampa Bay to take on the Buccaneers. Then they return to the Midwest and Dallas to practice for the week. And then they go up north to the northwest coast to San Francisco to take on the 49ers on six days rest. 49ers have eight days rest. So I think this is a clear rest advantage spot. The Cowboys are traveling through three different time zones in the week. That is a brutal, brutal schedule spot for them. For me, this is a... The, you know, the schedule makers have put a, a, you know, gift basket in our laps for us gamblers. It's clearly back the 49ers. You agree or you think you'd go the other way? Uh, I would go the other way. Um, I actually have hit money line for the Cowboys here. Wow. Talk to me. Um, I think watching the Cowboys last night, looking at their defense, Micah Parsons flying all over the place. Uh, I think Brock Purdy... You know, last week he showed out. There's no doubt about that. He showed out against the Seahawks. I just don't think the Seahawks defense holds a stick to the Cowboys defense. Do you really trust a rookie quarterback against the Cowboys defense in the playoffs? Do you trust him to beat a little bit more seasoned uh, Dak Prescott and Cowboys team? I don't think so. And so I think... Uh, I was looking at the money line before. I put a, I put small money down uh, this morning when I was looking at the bets. Plus 160 money line. I thought that was pretty good value for the Cowboys to technically upset the 49ers. Um, and so that's kind of that's how I was viewing viewing that matchup. I don't, I'm not mad at it. I, I, I do hear you on the Purdy versus Cowboys defense angle. And I think an underrated angle of this game that we need to consider is that Shanahan used to coach under Dan Quinn in Atlanta. So when Dan Quinn, who's now the defensive coordinator of the Cowboys and Shanahan head coach of the 49ers, when they were together in Atlanta, uh, Quinn was running the defense and Shanahan was running the offense. These guys know each other well. It is going to come down to which system prevails Who's got that extra edge? Who's got that trick play? Who knows the other coach better? And it comes down to timing and 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 having the better play calls. But yes, this this uh, familiarity between these two coaches might make this a closer game than expected. 
That is why I'm not touching the total. Again, move from 45.5 up to 46.5, so movement towards the over. But when there's familiarity like this in the coaching staffs, I generally like unders. So movement towards the over, I'm not going to go contrarian here, but I'm just going to let it be. I do like the San Francisco minus four. Gibby's on the Cowboys money line. He likes to live a little dangerously. Gib, let me ask you a different question kind of away from the bets now that we've reviewed all these games. Which of these do you think is going to be the highest scoring game on the weekend? You could take that as a like a fun prop bet, like this team is going to score the most points, but it's also super important for the DFS discussion that we're about to move to. Uh, which game do you think is the best to play into because you think there's going to be the most points scored? Uh, the, the game that I have the most points, uh, first game, first game of the, of the, of this round is going to be the Jags and Chiefs. Uh, we're talking two high powered offenses. Um, I still think the Chiefs win by a lot, but I think this game could be hitting closer to 55, 56 points. Uh, and I don't think any of the other games touch that. You're talking Mahomes, Trevor Lawrence. These are, these are high-powered uh, offenses. Their defenses have been known to let up a lot of points. Uh, hence a point last week when the Jaguars let up 28 points in, in, the, in the first half. Yep. Um, and if you're going to do that with the Chargers, I think you can also do that with the Chiefs. Uh, but they also scored, what was it, 30, 31 points in the, in, or 31 points in the finals in the second half and the last minute of the first half. So... Uh, if I'm going to go with the highest scoring game, that would be that would be my pick. So now that means for the DFS side to expand on Gibby's point and the gambling oh, quickly gambling's angle will tell you Gibby's right in predicting this. This line is the highest line, 52 and a half, and juiced towards the over. So the odds will tell you that this is going to be the highest scoring game. And if we translate that into DFS thoughts, that means. Maybe for value plays, we're targeting guys like ETN. We're targeting McKinnon. We're targeting the, I call them the biggest sluts on the waiver wires because on every league and every fantasy football league, they've been picked up and dropped more than everyone else. Zay Jones and Evan Ingram are going to be value plays that you can consider this week. You know, you're going to be looking at Juju for his high floor PPR and stacking him with Mahomes. Maybe Mahomes is actually the best quarterback spend up on the slate and he's actually better than Jalen Hurts or uh, Josh Allen. Let's actually have that discussion. I'm someone who likes to play spend-up quarterbacks in cash games. If I'm going to be in a tournament, I'll consider going for a value option so I can get premium players in other positions. But in just a cash game where I just need to finish top 50% to double up my money, I like going with high-spend quarterbacks. If we are choosing between... Nick Knack, Patty Whack, give me Patrick Mahomes. Josh Allen in this rematch against the now at home against the Bengals. Or Jalen Hurts. Is Mahomes your top choice? It's not even close. It's Patty Mahomes. Uh, I had Patty Mahomes on in our fantasy league this year. I saw how consistently he was putting up 30 plus uh, fantasy points every year uh, and in a high power game where I think the scoring is going to be super high I think Mahomes accounts for at least three touchdowns and at least 300 passing yards so yeah I'm going to just jump in and say I completely agree uh, we'll be giving out a core four this week 90% chance Patrick Mahomes is in there Josh Allen is like 
an explosive player, but this line going from 50 down to 50 and a half, down to 48 and a half, very telling. This Bengals team dealing with offensive line injuries might make a more conservative approach from the from the Buffalo Bills. You know, like we need to consider all these aspects play into the shootout that this Chiefs Jaguars game is expected to be. Patrick Mahomes becomes my favorite quarterback. If you weren't going to go uh, Mahomes, are you an Allen or Hurts guy? You seem to be. I would predict you're an Allen guy because you're dimes over Hurts. Um, I'm. I'm Hurts. I mean, I'm um, Jones over Hurts for value. I still think Hurts is a better play, but I don't know for the for the amount of money. Right. I like Hurts over Allen again here. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he's going for a few hundred less, maybe two hundred less in DFS. Uh, but just point for point, I still like Hurts better here. Past couple games watching Allen, something seems off. Something, I don't know if it's accuracy, I don't know if he's just like taking more chances, um, or he's just trying to play hero ball, or what he's trying to do. But there's been something that it, it, he hasn't looked like prime Josh Allen, who you're like, this guy's going to win me, this guy's going to win me a DFS week, or he's going to win me my fantasy week. Uh, where Jalen Hurts, you know, you know what you're going to get. I think he, I think he is more, a little bit more consistent uh, with the points he puts up, and I trust him a little bit more if I'm going to spend that kind of money. Jalen Hurts, Week 14 against the Giants. Eagles scored 48 points. He threw 31 times. He ran the ball seven times. He ended up with 31 fantasy points. Uh, I do think we might even get a higher volume output of of Hurts this week. I Definitely love Hurts. I think if I'm going tournament, I might play Hurts because I think Mahomes' ownership is actually going to be the highest. So cash game, I'm Mahomes. Tournament, I might be Hurts. Josh Allen, I'm going to agree with Gibb. A little bit concerned about Josh Allen this week. I love the Bills, but I think the spot in terms of DFS and a scoring output might be a little bit tougher. Um, Are we remiss to just not mention Dak or Joe Burrow? Is there any world in which you'd play them? They're kind of middle tier, you know, middle talent QBs, middle tier price tags. Uh, You know, if I'm going to go value, I'm going to drop myself down to Danny Dimes. I'm going to, you know, even consider a Brock Purdy. Is there a world where you'd play a Burrow or Dak in a DFS? For me, it's a quick no. There's not a world where I'd play Dak. Um, I think they, I think, as I said before, I think Dallas wins that game, but I don't, I don't see that game being a shootout. The 49ers defense is just, there's too many studs. You know, you're, you're going against Nick Bosa, um, they, they have studs all in that D-line. Uh, I, I just don't see that being a game where Dak is going to put up gaudy numbers. Burrow, I could maybe. You could talk me into Burrow. Um, their run game hasn't looked great. Joe Mixon hasn't looked great. So they might have to throw the ball 50 times uh, to compete with the Bills. And the Bills' defense, ever since Von Miller's gone down, hasn't looked fantastic. Um so you there's there's a world where if you needed a little bit more money because you thought some of the position players were going to be or like valued more and you want some higher you know higher valued uh, position players you could talk me into Burrow but not Dak. So the only place I play Burrow and I agree it's I, it's Burrow it's not Dak because of the the 49ers defense versus the Bills defense and I think bringing up that Von Miller loss is actually one of the most important things to make on this podcast like one of the most important points because. If the Bengals are dealing with offensive line injuries, this becomes a question of how big is the departure of Von Miller actually seen? Are the 
are the other Bills defensive linemen able to get through, or are they just missing Vaughn because he would have been an absolute game wrecker if he was healthy? So this is going to come up, and we will find out the answer in a few days. It's one of those unanswerable questions right now. But the only place that I play Burrow is if I'm going in a tournament and then I'm stacking Burrow with Jamar Chase with a guy like Hayden Hurst as a kind of value tight end, and then I'm bringing it back with a back stack of like uh, Diggs or Gabe Davis or one of those guys. You know, like if I'm going to jump in on that game fully, that's kind of the contrarian angle to go with a in a GPP tournament. Cash games, I'm just going to stay away from that and go with, you know, Mahomes or Hurts. I think those are better options than Allen and Burrow. Let's move on and discuss the running backs, Gib. There's one question at the top of this board. It's between Christian McCaffrey at 8,000, Saquon at 7,900. If you're going to play one of the top spend running backs, who do you like? Oh, if between Barkley and McCaffrey, that's really tough. Um, McCaffrey's just so electric. He's, he's the most electric guy in the league. Um, but again, I think they're going against a more stacked defense. Um and Saquon looked good last week. I just he had two touchdowns, uh, but I just didn't think he got the touches or like the opportunities that McCaffrey typically nine, gets. Nine rushing attempts for Saquon last game, and and that scares that scares me a lot, right? Like, is that is that going to be is that going to be the game script again? And if he doesn't get the the one yard touchdown, I mean he had a twenty eight yard touchdown in the first half. Um, then like he could he you're spending eight thousand dollars on him and he gets you six points four points that could that could that can ruin your that could ruin your lineup. Whereas McCaffrey, I think there's almost a guarantee that he's going to get some like at least fifty yards, whether that's passing, catching, uh, and then you know likely likely a touchdown. So if I'm going to choose between those two, uh, I would go McCaffrey. Even though I know I said earlier Dallas's defense is stacked, I have to go with McCaffrey here. I'm going to just quick agree and say, Saquon, um, last five games, listen to these rushing attempts, nine rushing attempts, 12 rushing attempts, 14 rushing attempts, a nice 18, but also nine again. So uh, less than 14 rushing attempts in four out of the last five. He's also had two games where his price tag was exactly 8,000 in these last five games and finished with less than eight points. So... Yes, the upside's there because he just came off two touchdowns and a 28-point performance. He's explosive with his touches, but it's got to be McCaffrey. It's just volume. I don't care who the matchup is. It's goal line work. It's pass catching work. It's all of the above with McCaffrey. He is historically the best points per game running back in the history of fantasy. So let's not beat around the bush. Let's not get too cute. If you're going to spend up on a running back, it's Christian McCaffrey. Now, I think the next great question comes... Is it Mixon or ETN? Is it trusting the steady workload of a Joe Mixon? Or is it going with that upside shot, that volume play, that, you know, this game's going to be a shootout. ETN touched the ball 20 times last game. Which one are you going with in, in, in the second tier of spend-up running backs? If you aren't going with McCaffrey or Saquon, you're probably ending up with one of these guys. Who is it? I'm going ETN here. Um I trust the shootout. I trust the game script that's going to happen here. And Etienne, he's so explosive with getting on the outside and, and having a big play. Like he can he can easily have a seventy five yarder. 
uh, for a touchdown. And I think Kansas City's defense sometimes does allow big plays. So I'm trusting ETN here. Watching Mixon the past couple games, he hasn't looked he hasn't looked that great to me. And I'm scared. Uh, P Ryan, 34, their other running back, he gets yep. a lot of work. He he also looks really good when he's in the game. Um, and so for that reason, if I'm choosing one of them, I'm tr- I'm trusting the game script, and I'm going with ETN here. There's almost no situation that I've seen myself not playing ETN this week. I'll put it that way. When I come back and do a Core 4 episode, there is such a good chance that not only am I playing Patrick Mahomes, I'm saying we're stacking that game with ETN, with Juju, probably two, with Zay Jones, probably three. Like, that is the way I'm seeing this slate right now is to stack up on that game. Me and Gibby have also already discussed we think it's going to be the highest point total on the board. There's great value opportunity there. Having a guy like ETN, 6,400, I said at the beginning of the season, we're going to get to a point where he's 7,000 every week. So there was there was a few weeks in the middle of the season where he was in that range. We've dipped back down a little bit now, and let's go take advantage of it. He still has that opportunity share. He has a great game script in front of him. Almost no world in which I'm not playing Travis ETN in my lineups this week, both cash game and GPP I feel that way for. Let's move this discussion over to the wide receiver group. Now, there's four, actually, oh, five names. But let's let's start with the first four because I actually think Devonta Smith being the same price as CeeDee Lamb is an albatross. Uh, Jamar Chase, Stephon Diggs, A.J. Brown, CeeDee Lamb. Now, none of these guys have hit the $8,000 price tag that, like, Cup and Jefferson were coming in every single week at. Tyreek Hill every single week. So, Devonta Adams every single week. So this is kind of the second tier of wide receivers, but for this DFS slate, they are the premiums. Out of this group, Gib, who do you like? Going Diggs. Um, Cincinnati, I was looking at their, their, their top cornerback, Eli Apple, right? Um, I saw him get destroyed by a wide receiver. He likes to bite on some apples. Yeah. He just I see guy, him getting that guy gambles. He might have a lineup <laughs> himself too. <laughs> and and Josh Allen, if he's gonna have a good game, he's gotta get the ball to Diggs. Uh Diggs is so good. He's been so consistent all year. Um I have to go with Diggs here. I think that Chase is great. I loved him. I traded for him when he got hurt this season in fantasy. Uh so I truly do really like Diggs. I mean Chase, but I think when you have Higgins, Boyd, and those other options, there's a chance that they try and uh, the defense for Buffalo tries to stop uh, Chase a little bit more, uh, and those other guys go off. I kind of like Higgins this week, so for that reason, I'm going to go with Dix. So I'm on the other flip side. I'm definitely going Chase if I'm in that group. I think, again, hard for me not to play Chase with his target share the last few weeks. Uh, 12 targets, 13 targets, 12 targets, 13 targets, 15 targets his last five weeks. So every single one over 12 targets, that kind of consistency is just amazing. The T Higgins thing, like, I mean, does it have to be discussed, right? Like does the T Higgins going against the bills again, he's gotten a lot of support from DeMar Hamlin and DeMar Hamlin's family. I saw that interview of T saying uh, that he's heard from DeMar Hamlin's mom. I've been outspoken that I think the support for T Higgins was one of the most important things after that play that we didn't start to blame T Higgins or start to you know point fingers at other people. Um, 
in the same vein, Gabe, kind of getting off track for a second, in the same vein we talked about the the Von Miller absence being an unanswerable question, let me throw this to you, and it's it's another unanswerable question. Who, How does the DeMar Hamlin injury from two weeks ago come back and impact this game? Like My thinking is both, both of these teams were on the field for it, and so they're equally shaken up from witnessing what happened. Maybe I'm wrong in, in that assumption because the Bills know DeMar personally, so they have a much closer connection with him, so maybe it's a lot more personal and effective towards them. On the flip side of that coin, they've also gotten as good of news as you could possibly imagine on DeMar the last few weeks. He's home in Buffalo. I mean, I think there's a chance that they're going to show him on the Jumbotron. He might be in a suite for this game, or he might have like a a video that they run pregame of him saying something, and, and that's going to become a rallying cry for all of the fans, for all of the players, and a source of momentum that I don't know if the Bengals can use having lived the same experience as a source of momentum. So I go both ways. I don't really know if it impacts anything. How do you see this shaking out? Like, am, am I crazy for, for saying this is might even, in a momentum way, favor Buffalo? It's really hard to say. Um, it's obviously that was a super emotional moment, a tough moment that both teams had to live through, as you said. Um, you know, Buffalo has played a game since uh, that's happened. They played a playoff game since they've. Demar talked to them, if I'm not mistaken, before the game last week. Yep. So I think as as time kind of moves forward, and they've had that game. The emotional impact on the football game might be a little bit less uh, than it would have been, say, this was like the first game back, right? right? So say they didn't play last week, they had the bye, and then this was their first game back. Both, and they're playing both of them also, both of these teams also played in Week 18. So they've each played two games since the Week 17 yeah. injury and won both games. Like, they're, these teams are 4-0 in, the, in these four games. Yeah, so I think, like... It's just human. It's just how humans work, right? As more time moves on, the less emotional uh, you are about it. You move on a little bit. Not that like it'll ever be like super okay, but I don't think that. I think that the impact that the injury will have uh, on the actual football game because of the emotions before the game uh, is less than it would have been if this was like the 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 first game first game back. Uh, now, if he does talk, if Demar does talk or does something on the jumbotron. I think that the crowd might be a little bit more into it, and they might be a little bit more emotional. So maybe there, there's where the impact comes in. But I think because both of these teams have played a few games, it, it, the the impact might be a little bit less than what what we originally thought it might be. So I think Demar started for 14 games this season because of the Micah Hyde and Poyer injuries to the Bills secondary, and I think. Both of those guys are back. Um, Poyer and I think I think they're both back too. So, oh, Micah Hyde will not play in divisional round versus Bengals. So Micah Hyde's still not back. Poyer is back and playing. So the loss of Demar Hamlin, they are going to be going th- into their third string in their in their secondary to safety spot uh, if they don't have Hyde and Hamlin. So that could affect things. It is tough to really gauge this. Again, unanswerable question that maybe we should just move on from because we are going to get uh, that answer in a few days. Um, Gib, if let me let me throw in. So you you had digs over 
Chase, and you had Diggs as your favorite spend-up receiver, but you also have Mahomes as your favorite spend-up quarterback. So here's where I'm going to throw a little monkey wrench and ask you something different. Would you actually prefer Travis Kelsey and spending up there and considering him just a spend-up wide receiver? He's 7700 the literal exact same price as Diggs. Would you rather go with Kelsey or would you rather go with spend-up wide receiver in Diggs or Chase? Uh, it's really hard because Kelsey right now is going for 2000 more than any other tight end in daily fantasy, right? And Kittle's uh, been all season. Recently. What what'd you say? And Kittle's been crushing with Brock Purdy recently. Yeah. Um, and so I would go with a, one of the receivers. I would actually go with Diggs. I think Mahomes has been passing it around a little bit more. One of the plays that I have this week is actually McKinnon. I really like McKinnon this week. Yep. Yep. Uh, and so I wouldn't be surprised. It, I would be. I would. I would assume that Kelsey's line is something like sixty yards and a touchdown. But I, I don't know if that value is worth the two thousand dollars more than the other tight ends. Because I think you, you can go Kittle, Goddard, Schultz had two touchdowns last week. Uh, Evan Ingram's been balling. There's some there's some good tight ends out there, um, but like Diggs, you know that there's a chance that he goes nine for one seventy and two touchdowns. Uh, and so that's the play I would go rather than the Kelsey over over the other. Like that's where my spend up would be. Would not be with Kelsey. It would be with the t- with the wide receiver. Just looking at the tight end landscape right now, um, Dawson Knox coming off a. One, two, three, four, five straight weeks with for with a touchdown for Dawson Knox, and he costs three thousand eight hundred. I mean, that seems very affordable. Dalton Schultz, two touchdowns last night against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Eight targets, nine targets, ten targets his last three games, averaging nine targets a week, twenty-seven targets over his last three weeks. He's actually decreased in price, going from four thousand three hundred to four thousand two hundred. I mean. Probably a little bit of an overreaction to the matchup um, because he's going against the 49ers, but he's been clearly an amazing safety valve for Dak. And then you have, um, you know, Hayden Hurst and Daniel Bellinger, two great value tight ends. I'll talk about these guys on the Thursday show when we bring Mike back on because uh, that's the, the value episode. But, you know, Bellinger is going to be playing full snaps for the Giants. Hurst is going to be playing full snaps for the Bengals. So I, I do think there are some better value spots at tight end. I'm going to agree with you, Gib. I'd rather play Chase than Kelsey at just $100 more. You'd rather play Diggs. I think it makes sense to go with a spend-up wide receiver and not play into the, you know, positional scarcity of tight end. Um, let's just quickly, while you're on the pod, give give a shout-out to Chris Manhurst coming in on this this big board. 2,500. Uh, Shout out to Manhurst, baby. What's your relationship to him again? Like you, you We played on the same AAU basketball team because for people who don't know, Chris uh, was a basketball player in college, uh, and he's from he's from the Bronx uh, in New for York. People, and we played, for people who don't know, as was, as was Gibby on the other end of this podcast in college, a, a two-sport college athlete. Uh, yeah, and so Chris was a great basketball player, four years, Canisius, captain up there. Uh, which is, but it's up in Buffalo, and so I think he got a tryout because one of the Bills uh, scouts was like, "Hey, there's this dude over at Canisius who 
built like a football player. He's about six six, good hands, strong as an ox. Let's give him a uh, chance. Uh, he was with the Bills for like a year or two, and then went to Carolina. Is now down in uh, uh, Jacksonville. He's gonna have a twelve year NFL career as a blocking tight end. Like he is one of the elite blocking tight ends. When it, when you guys see Manhurts on the field, just know that we are not playing him in DFS. I mean, this guy has one catch since week fourteen, so we're not we're not playing him. But we are rooting for this guy. He is he is part of the DFS the advantage the DFS today and the advantage family. Uh, we are big man hurts fans over here. Yeah, that's my boy, but I'm not putting I'm not I'm not spending twenty five hundred on him. <laughs> I was thinking about this the other day. You should go back into our like league from our season long league this year and start doing this every year. But like when the season actually ends, you should just pick Manhurst up so that when you go back and like look at your teams like seven years from now, you could be like, I had Manhurst on every single team. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be good. Um all right. Let's talk about defense. The last topic we need to get to on the board. There's a few spend-up options. 49ers are the highest priced, 3,300. Eagles, 3,200. Chiefs, 3,100. They all have pretty tough matchups. I don't really like any of them. Uh, let's just open this up, Gib. Who's your favorite defense on the entire board, even if it's not a spend-up? Where are you going with this defense? I was looking at this. As we've talked about this whole pod, this week is going to be a shootout week, it seems like, for most yeah, of the games. Yeah, every, every single game was originally sharp towards the over. As of this recording, that bills Bengals one is the only one that's now starting to tick down a little bit. So I'm thinking maybe that's the direction we play into. Is it like a Bengals defense situation? I can't, I can't get behind that. The one I'm going with, the one that I'm eyeing, is the Cowboys defense. Okay. Um, that makes sense with your money line play. That makes sense with your fading of Brock Purdy and a rookie quarterback. That that lines up well with what you've said thus far. I don't mind it. Yeah, I, I have to go with them. I think with defense, you know, it's so hard because, you know, all it takes is one play for your defense to, to like, hit, right? And I'm thinking Micah Parsons rushes through the line, one play, sack, fumble, touchdown. I, I, I don't know. Defense, to me, is always a crapshoot because you can – have the highest pick or like spend the most money and get negative points or spend the least amount of money and get, you know, you know, a ton of a ton of points. But going against a rookie quarterback in the playoffs, I know Purdy balled last week. I gotta go. Dallas is the only only play I, I see here. Um I actually like it a lot. You might have just convinced me. Um definitely like this this Cowboys line. It is still the lowest line on the board. So even though the Bills Bengals ones being a little bit bet towards the under. It's still two points higher than this game. And uh, rookie quarterback. The the only thing that would scare me is that I think when you play a defense, you like to play into high opportunities and high volume. And like playing against a guy like Lawrence might be a good idea because he's going to throw it forty times, and you know he's young and throw some interceptions. So I, I I think you could go with the Chiefs defense too. That would kind of be my next best uh, bet. Eagles defense, ugh, it's tough to go against Dimes. Dimes historically a high turnover quarterback, but ever since Brian Dayball walked in the building, it's become Josh Allen who's a high turnover quarterback, and and Dayball's now keeping Dimes in check. Uh, one last question before I get out of here, because I did want to touch on this, but we kind of skipped over this when I asked you the Kelsey question. And it's like that middle-tier receiver. So we talked about the middle-tier quarterbacks in, in Burrow and, and Dak. We talked about Mixon versus ETN. Let's talk about some of these middle-tier receivers. Christian Kirk, 
Debo, T. Higgins, Juju. Um, if I'm playing into that, I don't know if I like any of them as a middle tier. I kind of think maybe I'd go Christian Kirk, but I'd almost say spend lower and go with like Zay Jones to then be able to find ways to spend back up. Is there any one of those middle tier guys that you particularly like? Yeah, I mentioned before, I like Higgins. I like Higgins this week. Um, okay. Higgins is, a, is the, if I'm going middle tier, I'm going Higgins. I think um, with the emotional part that we talked about before, with the, the DeMar um, aspect of this game and T. Higgins being involved in that play, I think there's a chance that he's just really, he's really amped up for this game, has a great game. Um, there's a chance that they like intentionally get him involved early just to get him, get his mind going off of that play. If they're not getting Higgins the ball early, he might start to be dwelling on what happened a few weeks ago. Yeah, and he's a great he's a great end zone target. So if oh, yeah. if they're like in the red if they're if they're in the red zone a bunch, like he may get you know he may get a bunch of uh, attempts to get a touchdown. So T Higgins, if, if I had anyone in that range, it'd be T Higgins. I also don't hate Debo. Um, you know it, it's tough because the 49ers have about five you know elite weapons and so like he i think he's a clear number two behind mccaffrey as their number one target but you know he's a special player he's a he's a he is a weapon um and so if debo could go off but again i'm going with dallas defense so i don't really love that play i don't like how that that works against each other so um debo would be my second option but t higgins is who i'm uh, who i'm looking at so, Mike, on last Thursday's episode, our, our other DFS writer for Sports Ethos, gave out Debo as his best value candidate. Debo ends up with 32 fantasy points last week, so absolutely crushed it. Again, we dominated last week here on this podcast. We hope to do the same thing this week. And again, his price tag's relatively the same. Dallas ranks 27th against wide receivers this season for fantasy points. Debo, just an absolute freak talent, so you can't avoid that runs the ball, catches the ball, yards after catch, can can hit a deep ball, can hit a quick slant, can hit a screen pass, can hit an end around, can line up in the backfield and run a power eye. So Debo literally brings everything to the table. I'm certainly not against that. Um, Let me ask yeah, you I, something. Let me ask one it. question. For the Giants receivers, you're going to yep. pick one of the Giants receivers. You got Hodgins, who's, I think, going for about 4,900. Richie James going for 3900 and Slayton for 4200 What's your best value there? Who do you think is worth – who would you go with of those three if you're, if you're you know, trying to do it for DFS? So I've played Richie James the past few weeks, and I'm probably going to do it again. I just think that value at 3900 for a guy who's going to get you know six or seven targets is just too low. But I, I even think – do you play multiple Giants receivers? That becomes the question. I think Richie James is an absolute lock. Now the question becomes, do you also play Hodgins? Do you also play Slayton? This game is going up in the total towards the over. And a guy like Hodgins has been absolutely dominant recently. Do you know Hodgins was uh, on the Bills practice squad a few weeks ago and he was cut? So Dayball brought him back. And, and you know, so Dayball, he's been with Dayball for a few seasons or I guess his whole career. So there's some familiarity there knowing how to use him. So that's why he's been integrated pretty quickly into the system and he's doing really well. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't. I personally don't trust these Giants. Um, 
I think I'm Richie James only, and then if I had to, you could potentially include Slayton. I don't think I'm going to go with Hodgins this week. You don't think no Hodgins? The last question I have for you. Yeah. And I, I like to think about this for, for DFS. And maybe you don't have one, but where's your zag? What's the zag that you're looking for this week? What Who's your main zag that you're like, no one's going for this. This is the guy who I'm looking for, who I think is going to is going to have like 5% ownership, but it's going to have a huge week. So that is a great question, and it is one that I will absolutely pose to Mike on Thursday's episode as well because he's our main guy that does GPPs. I'm more of a cash game. I like to not worry about ownership. I like to just play cash games and, and say I, I, you know, I have faith in these guys. I don't need to worry about pivots. I will let other people around me pivot and make mistakes, right? So let them go with a random upshot guy in like Demarcus Robinson on the Ravens. Like I'm skipping that, right? Uh, If I was going to, I think the answer is Miles Sanders. He's been so good all season. He's the Eagles run the ball a ton. Uh, He, this year has actually gotten in the end zone. He, again, 11 touchdowns and 1,300 yards for Miles Sanders this year, 260 rushing attempts. So it's consistent volume, consistent yardage, and gets his nose in the end zone. I don't think he's going to be owned at all. I think if he's has McKinnon right above him and has guys like Zeke below him, he is going to be absolutely unowned. And if I was going to pivot and I'm already on the Eagles and I'm already on the over, it's Miles Sanders. I like it. I have him, I have him in, my, in my lineup as my flex. Ooh, so maybe he's not as low owned as I thought. Who would be who would be yours if you're going super contrarian? The I'm trying to think of a like a different zag here. I, I was thinking about T. Y. Hilton. He got that a few looks. Uh, he's going for thirty two hundred. I actually um, think I actually think give that one's going to be less of a contrarian play than than we think. I think a lot of people are going to be like, let me throw T. Y. in. I think George Kittle is going to be fairly low owned. I know you're a big Kittle boy. I, I do. I, I I do love Kittle. And Gibby the traded for Kittle, was... Gibby traded for Kittle in our season long, right before he started going crazy. So Gibby loves his, his guy George Kittle. Uh, and the other zag that like I don't think people are talking about a lot um, because you know he's been hurt and he's had some up and down games. But could Kadarius Tony have a huge game here? No. Like could he have? You, th- no. you think no? No. You're not you're not a Tony guy. Tony's playing thirty percent of the snaps this week. Okay. I'd rather go. I'd rather if you're looking at Chiefs wide receivers. I'd rather go uh, Justin Watson. Justin Watson, you Penn kid. Um, I think. I, just, I think if we'll see if Hardman plays. Um, like Andy Reid came out and said, it's Hardman's uh, injuries not responding the way it wants to. For his, yeah. uh, he's got a pelvic injury. So if he's out, could you go with a scantling as like a deep ball, you know, thing? But he doesn't really get great target share. I like Watson. Watson's been in this offense for numerous years. So I think if in a playoff situation, I think Watson would get more snaps than Tony. Does the Bills backfield interest you at all? Singletary okay. or this Cook. is actually a good question for you because you've been sitting on Singletary all season and watching these games. You answer that. I'll answer it. Um, I love Devin Singletary. I don't know. I, I know like Cook has been getting a lot more 
uh, rushes. I think he might even lead them. He might have led them the past couple days, uh, past couple games. But Singletary, if you're looking for a, a surefire 10 points, he's been fantastic all year. Uh, he's going for four. Oh, he's going for 52. That's a little expensive. Um, so I don't know if I'd actually play him in DFS this week. That's a little expensive. 52. If you can get Zeke for 54, um, uh, Cook is 48. Um, but I do, I do really, really like Singletary. But I think he might be a little, a little too expensive this week with going for 52. Cook and Singletary. I just looked it up. Zero targets last week to either of those running backs from Josh Allen out of the backfield. That is not going to happen. That's an anomaly. So. The Bills running backs consistently are, are good PPR floor guys. DraftKings is a full PPR <coughs> scoring system. So if you get it right, I said it last week, if you get that right between Singletary and Cook, you have a huge boost to your chance to win. I think that wraps us up for today, Gib. Thank you for joining me. Appreciate you being here. Maybe we'll see you guys. Maybe we'll see you next Tuesday with me back here. Uh, for everyone else, <coughs> I will be back on Thursday with Mike. We will be reviewing the value options on the slate. Of course, me and Gibby went through a few of them. We will get Mike's opinion. We will continue to track those gambling trends, what's happening in the over-unders, what's happening in the line movements. We will give out some prop bets on Thursday as well, assuming those prop lines are posted. And then we will look to do a Saturday Core 4 episode. I'm actually traveling this week, so I might tweet that out again. Make sure you're following me at mfiddle14. I have already tweeted out, all of my NFL divisional round bets. I have already tweeted out a few NBA bets for tonight, Tuesday, January 17th. So make sure you are on that. And just if you are an NBA fan, I just want to throw one last bonus out to you. We have Warriors versus Celtics rematch on Thursday on TNT. I absolutely love the Celtics in this spot. Uh, Warriors are on a long road trip. It is, their, I think, their last game or second-to-last game of the road trip. Um, Celtics are coming off a few days rest and are at home. They will be playing revenge for that last Game 4 comeback that the Warriors had. So I absolutely love Boston Celtics Thursday against the spread. I'm going to be betting it immediately when the line drops on Wednesday night and getting ahead of it because I think there will be sharps on that side. But we don't need to talk basketball. This is a football podcast. Thank you guys for listening. And as always, peace out. Don't be the